Kingdom Business Summit 2023 is here. And this is our biggest and best lineup of speakers we've ever had. This event is two and a half days of high level practical business training. The event is jam packed with the tools you need to scale up your business and deepen your walk with the Lord. Over the two and a half days, I will be bringing some business training as well as a hand-picked group of high-caliber speakers. There's a formal dinner where you can let your hair down and have fun with live entertainment. We will have a worship service where we get together, lift our arms, and praise Jesus. We will have a faith-filled prayer meeting, a networking space to meet like-minded entrepreneurs, an exhibitor showcase area, and we will finish with a time of prophetic ministry where you can get a word directly from the Lord. So if you're looking to scale up your business and at the same time learn how to deepen your walk with the Lord, then I invite you to join me for two and a half days of practical business training at Kingdom Business Summit 2023. Well, guys, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I have a guest with me today, Eric, who I will introduce in just a second. Now, Eric's got a very interesting story uh, and a very interesting assignment that he does. And we're going to glean from him a little bit from his experience and how it plays out in the marketplace. Eric, I'm pumped that you're able to join us today. Why don't you lead off by telling us who is Eric? Awesome. Thank you so much, Wes. First of all, thank you for having me on your podcast. I have been following this podcast for a while now, so it's really a privilege and an honor to be here. Well, Eric, um, that's my name. Uh, born in Ghana, West Africa in the 80s. So any of you 80s babies out there, <laughs> hello. Uh, moved to New Zealand when I was five years of age and uh, my first day of school, couldn't speak a word of English. Then in 97 was when uh, our family moved to Melbourne, Australia. Um, so for about three years before I actually got sent back to Ghana, uh, the reason being I had four suspensions in high school, uh, joined a gang and just doing a whole bunch of really naughty, bad <laughs> stuff. So my dad actually, very smart man, uh, told me that it would be a three week holiday, you know, with some spending money, just go chill out, have some fun, son. I'm like, yes, because I was disengaged at school. So I thought, wow, this is amazing. And then I got there and hey, Three weeks became seven years. <laughs> so your dad bought you a one-way ticket instead of a two-way ticket. Yeah, and when you're 14 years of age and, you know, you, were you, you hear the words holiday, you don't really check if it's a return ticket. You just take the money and the ticket and you go. <laughs> That's awesome. And how did that shape what you do today? It shaped everything that I, that I do today. So I remember, um, you know, my parents, they they were incredible in terms of every single Sunday, you know, making sure that we went to church. However, I just really didn't connect in church. And so going to Ghana and I guess the, 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 the church landscape, spiritual landscape over there was, you know, every second TV channel is, is a preacher who's given a salvation call. And so... Um, it was actually, you know, I hit rock bottom. I got to a point where I was quite suicidal um, twice in 2002. And it was an uncle of mine that actually took me to a church. And that would be where I would give my life to God. And um, from there, I would go to a prayer camp where we would pray three hour blocks. We would eat one meal a day, 5.30 p.m. Probably why I'm still got a lean figure. <laughs> um, and in between, all we would do is we would just memorize. We're taught to memorize scripture. And so, 
the Bible that I was given upon entrance at that prayer camp was actually the King James uh, version. And so even today, my five-year-old son, his name is Kingston James, uh, named after that Bible. And so a typical morning would look like, you know, we get up and we pray and then they tell us today, we're going to memorize Psalm 91, verse 1 to 13. And so then off we go. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the wings of the Almighty. And because I was one of two people who were, who were not pastors, you can just imagine that my growth trajectory just went through the roof because of, you know, the inspiration of those around me as well. And so throughout that whole journey in terms of my Christian faith, my foundations, in terms of my resilience, overcoming suicide, all of that was really shaped and formed during those seven years. But your dad was a smart man then, really? Man, I thank him every day. <laughs> yeah, I bet you do. Just, and I was just thinking when you said you wrote the King James, you'd probably be right at home with T.D. Jakes, man. That guy still preaches from the King get James. Get ready, version. get ready, get yeah. ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so awesome. we, we actually, we had, uh, had T.D. Jakes, uh, a guy called Bishop Noel Jones, um, and then obviously Hillsong and Kirk Franklin. They were like the, the four preachers and singers that were on repeat at the prayer camp. Love Just it. on repeat. <laughs> Love it. Well, there's some good foundation there. Oh, hey, I hope you're enjoying this week's episode. Listen, I'm just here training a group here in this room, but I need you to subscribe to my channel. Guys, do you think they should subscribe to the channel? Yeah! Guys, please subscribe. All right, so um, today you run an organization called The Royal Hood. Tell us, tell us what that is and essentially, you know, what you're out to achieve. Yeah, so um, my four suspensions at Ringwood Secondary College in Melbourne were uh, came from a place of me having a lack of identity. So I was racially bullied on my first day at school in 1997 uh, here in Melbourne. I was the only African, so, you know, um, I just looked different. And so the kids thought they could make fun of that without, I guess, even knowing the impact and so right from that, that, that space, I had very low self-esteem. And so it would be at this prayer camp that I would actually come across 1 Peter 2, verse 9. Uh, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. Now, in Ghana, I was still dealing with the, the, the mental battle of who am I? You know, am I worthy? Uh, because of the color of my skin am i inferior as i was told and so that verse and that section you are chosen royal i was like oh that's that's good i literally you know meditate upon that and just it became my new starting point you know it became my new chapter of discovering that in god we are royalty so in every boy there is a king in every girl there is a queen and so that's where it began in 2004, I think it was. And then when I came back in 2007, I was asked to speak at a school, uh, Lighthouse Christian College here in Melbourne in 2010, did that, was awesome. Um, and then a few years after, I was just telling my wife, I'm like, I really want to create something for teenage boys who were, who are a little bit of a version of me when I was a teenager, who are lacking identity, don't believe in themselves, no confidence. Um, and so I shared the scripture with her and she's like, well, why don't you call it the royal hood? I was like, girl, <laughs> I married a smart one. <laughs> and so 
that that was four five years ago and and that that was how the name the royal hood actually came to be and that was the experience that it was birthed out of yeah cool what age groups do you spend most of your time with them now uh, so we work with preteens, um, so probably 10 to 13, but the actual Royal program is for 14 right up until uh, 18 years of age. Love it. Uh, what are you trying to build into these young kids? Um, as those words you know, say, chosen, um, to, to remind and let every young person know that, that they are chosen by God, that there is a mark on their life. Uh, there is purpose over them. Uh, the royal priesthood is really reminding them of the authority that they have in God. Uh, and then the holy nation is the idea that, hey, because you're marked, uh, because you have authority, this is the stand of, 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 of living that you ought to rise up to, you know, in terms of how you, you know, the music that you listen to and the honor and respect that you give to your parents this is how it ought to look like because you've been marked by God. And so, you know, we, we've sort of seen that in this generation with social media influences and distractions, it can be really easy for our young people to, to I guess, without even realising, be mentored by such people. And what we're trying to do is really bring them back to spiritual, biblical foundations that will set them up for their future. So solid. And, uh, you know, I as a dad of kids that are a bit younger than that, like, thank you for being a voice to that group because they cop a lot of grief. And I want to get into the grief that this generation are copying uh, in a minute. But, you know, like we, we've always said on here, you can't outperform your identity. You never will. Your identity is like a thermostat, right? It's designed to keep you at a certain point. And if you outperform it, then you'll sabotage you. If you underperform it, you'll lift your game. But your identity basically sets where you are for the rest of your life. And what you're doing is you're literally grabbing these kids and putting a godly identity inside of them at the right age, um, you know. Because if you go back in your story, you were telling us, when you went back to Ghana, you were not a minority back there, right? You're a minority in Australia, but you weren't a minority back home. But because such a good, strong foundation was put inside of you, when you came back here to be a minority, it didn't matter, right? And that's essentially what you're doing to these kids. You're getting them at an age where you can feed into that identity. Then when they go out into the big wide world, right, they've already got such a secure faith that the world doesn't, you know, take them off course. And it's, it's phenomenal, actually. It's phenomenal what you're doing. Um, you know, because, I mean, I guess we all have some exposure because our kids would go to Sunday school or some version of, you know, youth group. But it's really only one hour a week. Like, uh, you know, whereas, I mean, not that that's bad, it's excellent. But on top of that, you know, there's an opportunity for people to get alongside and you get alongside them and your team and build in them over a, over a journey, which I think is, is absolutely phenomenal. Um, but, but, but that's not common. Like most people that I talk to say some pretty negative things about, um, obviously millennials. Remember Gen Y, I remember when Gen Y came along and everyone was like losers, right? And then millennial came on and they went super losers, right? And then it was Gen Z and it's like super, super loser. And then, then there's Alpha, I don't know what name, like, um, and it's like, it's like, well, they're actually no, like the story is no different. Like I still remember, I'm a little bit older than you, but my parents would talk about their parents. So go a few generations away. They would say, my, my, my parents would say, that their parents hated the Beatles. Well, why would you hate the Beatles? Like now it's pretty cool music. It's like, 
because they shook their hair and their hair was unkept. That was the reason. It's like, and so, and so they, you know, the youth of today, right? They couldn't get their head around the youth of today because they would like to be. It's like, it's no different today, right? Yeah. So you've got this, you've got this generation who are just like writing off the next generation, which I find weird because they're the parents of that generation they're writing off, right? So, yeah. so question mark, how's your parenting if you don't like the generation that's coming after you? And then the kids, like there's a, there's a, there was a band called Michael and the Mechanics and they sang a song, Every Generation Blames the One Before. So you've got the generation above writing off the younger generation. You've got the younger generation blaming, like, and it's a bit of a mess. And what it takes is somebody like you to speak life into that. So I guess, you know, millennials, Gen Z, Alpha coming, they get a lot of grief. But what would you say about them as a generation, as a people group? As a people group and a generation, I, I think that obviously that, that they are the leaders, you know, they are the, the tomorrow's leaders. Um, obviously, their perspective and, and, and worldview is, is quite different. Um, but I really think that what I'm seeing is there's a lot of potential. There's a lot of creativity within these young people. And to be honest, you know, all they need is a Barnabas from the Bible, a biblical Barnabas who would come along to encourage and help you know tap that destiny that's within them and how to channel that you know um, I remember last year we, we held a, uh, a leadership uh, youth leadership conference that that my wife and I ran and you know I was sharing a story about there's a kid called um, Ryan's World my, my kids love Ryan's World uh, in 2019 according to Google Ryan's World he's only like was like eight years old at that stage he made 20 million dollars. Uh, in a financial year or from just unwrapping toys and, and so the whole idea the whole reason of the story was to share with them that hey don't just be, consu be, be consumers but actually produce content yourselves you know what I mean because uh, we see them a lot of times on social media but an encouragement to come alongside them to say hey you can also create stuff did you know that you know and then all of a sudden they're still on the device but now they're not they're not just consuming but they're actually producing allowing their creativity to come alive and who knows what that could lead to the outcomes that impact you know and so that's what i see is that they have a lot of potential greatness and you know, creativity, they just need someone, to, a Barnabas to come alongside them and just champion them so they can actually bring that which is in them out. I think they're lazy. I wouldn't say lazy, I'd probably say comfortable. I'd probably say comforts. And and I'll put my hand up as, as a 36-year-old. Sometimes I lean more towards comfort than I do towards. And, you know, one of my key words for this year, key phrases, is actually to do hard things, you know? So whenever I'm presented with a situation that's easy or hard, I actually want to go for the hard because I understand that it's the hard things that bring out the maximum of things. So I wouldn't call them lazy. I'd probably say they're, they're comfortable. Because they get a lot of grief for being lazy, right? And, you know, one of the common phrases is they're lazy and, you know, they, they won't clean their room and, and, you know, those sort of things. And, and you, you can't get them to clean up. And, you know, I, I've heard, you know, I've heard, I've heard tradies tell me, you know, like you, you, they won't they won't clean a storeroom and they won't clean up after themselves and things like that. And 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 there's an element of truth to that, right? And you know, um, I mean, 
we've kind of created a rod for our own back in some ways because we're starting to see the evidence of what happens when you give somebody a trophy for coming sixth, right? So, so, so that's a real problem. But, but every generation had a mistake that was fed into them. So that doesn't make this, you know, these generations any different. We're just starting to see that that did not work, right? Yeah. Um, but I'm also seeing that they have some phenomenal skills that no generation before them have ever had, right? You know, my 14-year-old at the age of two would open an iPhone and start, you know, like playing around and playing games. It's like, you know, I was still struggling with an iPhone in 2007 when it came out. Like, um, so, so I think all of that just feeds into, uh, here's, here's my thesis. They're not lazy. They're uninspired by boring things of, a, of a yesteryear, uninspired by them, right? So you say to them, <clears throat> put data entry into this spreadsheet and they'll fall asleep and quit and they'll need three weeks off for mental health after an hour's worth of work, right? But you say to them, hey, can you learn chat GPT and start producing blogs for my website and get my Google ads running? And they've done it by morning tea, right? So they're not lazy. We're just channeling them towards stuff that doesn't work. So... And, and that doesn't always work. If you take an apprentice in a trades-based business, you need them to be able to clean up. So there's a, there, you know, you could, they can't just say, well, go and build my ads because somebody's got to do the actual work. So I understand the dynamic. But I just think we're, in, in many cases, we're trying to plug a square peg in a round hole. Um, and because we're on the shoulder of such interesting change, I think the smartest thing we can do is take this younger generation and start to get them on forward-focused, future-focused elements of our business you know and and you know and 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 not trying to get them to sit in a back corner and you know do do something rudimentary okay they they, they they've got i find they've got so much vision and like you said so much creativity they've got a natural propensity to look after the world and they've got a natural propensity of love for their fellow man very good traits very good traits to have you know so but one of my questions for you is, you know, this is a business audience that, that would be watching the show. With your experience, what can we do over the next two, five, seven years to start to prepare ourselves and our businesses for the influx of Gen Z and Generation Alpha coming behind them so that we can capitalize on this generation and the skill sets that they do have rather than be frustrated about you know, the skill sets they don't have. What, what can we start to do to prepare our businesses? Well, I, I think it's gonna, it has to involve collaboration with, with that, with that segment, with that group, you know, with that generation. It has to involve collaboration where, you know, they're also at the table um, sharing their ideas, presenting their ideas, because then they can really take ownership. Um, and when anyone has ownership, they can they'll do something a lot better than when they're just you know told, hey, do do this. Um, that, that's number one. Number two, I think also, you know, on that table of collaboration is is what are some of the interests of these millennials and this younger generation? And you mentioned it yourself that they they want to care about the planet, the environment. You know, um, I remember when I was in corporate, you know, we used to we used to do some charity stuff and. And, and looking at some stats around that, it, it just shows that employees normally there's this higher morale when they feel like they're giving back to community, you know? So having an element of impact or giving back to the community um, and tying that to something that, you know, that they love and the environment, that sort of stuff as well. I think that really has great buy-in uh, for them. Yeah, what about mindset? You know, like, 
um, you know, they get written off as entitled generation. And I think there's an element of that that's true, but most of it created by us and the generations before, right? So, you know, uh, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of these younger kids were parented with an iPad, and um, not not all, but you know, some were. And um, you know, when they played up, we 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 bought them what they wanted to to a large degree, and so um, and so that's kind of like the way they've grown. But um, you know, I, I think from a mindset perspective, a lot of business owners struggle with the entitlement, you know. Because here, again, we're in a shoulder of such radical change, right? There might be a business owner today who's like 50 to 60. And they're thinking, well, hang on a minute. When I started in this industry, you know, I earned a thrupney bit before, pound, you know, pounds and pence or something, right? It's like, and a kid comes in today and they're like, well, I'm not turning up for any less than 35 bucks an hour, right? And it's like, you're still out of school. And so, now, it's interesting for me because that's just the market we find ourselves in. You cannot pay those people, and you just won't get them. Like, 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 how do we view that investment in them? Because it's still a bit unproven about what they can bring to the table. Because it's early. What would you say about making that investment and changing our mindset to be able to, you know, validate this generation and, and bring them on board and collaborate? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. I think for, for my for my the work that we do, we actually help. The young people with their mindset about this sort of stuff as well so there's a great quote that we sort of hinge some of what we do around and it's by a guy called frederick douglas and it goes like this it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men and so the whole idea if you were to make it turn it into biblical context it would be paul saying when i was a child i did things like a child but when i became a man i put away my childish ways and so Childish ways looks like entitlement, like you, you cry when you don't get what you want, you know, but now that you're a young man, young woman, what does that look like? You don't get what you want. You know, how do you persevere? How are you resilient? You know, how do you resolve conflicts when you disagree with something? And so I think that's, that's going to be a work that we really need to focus on with the young generation. And a, a big part of this also, the responsibility does fall on parents, mothers and fathers, you know, and that means some business owners as well, their children, um, to really you know, look into this, to be able to know that they're also raising young people for the workforce as well, for someone else's business. And so, yeah, for, for us, it's really coming back to those earlier stages of their teenage years, preparing their mind mentally for what it looks like to actually be a man or a woman responsible in a workplace, you know. Um, one of the things that we really value is, is just, you know, common things like respect and honour. Um, in our program, we actually have a whole week dedicated to mum and dad and siblings um, because we believe, as, as it said, charity begins at home. So if, we, if the kids can get these attributes and characteristics formed in the home, then when they go out to the workplaces, then they can also deliver those same attributes and characteristics as well to help improve the business owner's business. And hopefully at that time when there's improvement, business will be like, okay, we can negotiate. Yeah, I love it. And so basically what we're saying is we need to employ the people that have been through your program because they're going to be, the, you know, the most mature and the most honoring and, and uh, you know, and the most well-rounded people. So that's uh, that's good. We should we, you you need to grow your organization a lot bigger so that you can just start feeding people into these companies, um, and uh, and so forth. Um, though these kids you're talking to, I find that a lot of them have a propensity for business. 
um, probably you know more than possibly my generation, and definitely more than generation before me, right? You know, the, like if I think about my parents, the thought of starting a business was the riskiest thing you could possibly do, right? See, for me, I'm like, no, 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 like being an employee is the riskiest thing you can do because you've got one customer and it's your company you work for, right? Whereas I've got heaps, so I've, I've deleveraged. Um, but I find that, you know, you know and, and you kind of alluded to it, right, with Ryan's Toys, but, but there, are, there are tens of thousands of people on YouTube, just as an example, who are making slime and making 50 to 100 grand a year. Right, you know, and, and, and actually I still remember, I don't know whether you ever came across this girl, but her name was Jojo Siwa. And she basically started a YouTube channel where she would throw stuff on herself in the shower, fully clothed, so like goo and gunk and stuff like that. And, it, and, and she turned that attention into full-on songs, videos, you know, um, and then actually she had bows in her hair in everything. So she actually made physical bows. They were sold all over the world in department stores, big brand, all from a YouTube channel, right? And, um, and I still remember, you know, this is many years ago when my daughter was young enough to be interested in this. So she would put on a song. I still remember the song. It's like some of a boomerang or something. It's terrible. Can't stand it, right? But, and it would be on the house like 50 times a day. But I looked at how many views. And this thing is like, it had been out like 24 hours and it has 14 million views, right? I, I've, been, I've been spending good money on my podcast, right? And I, I can't even get like one minute's worth of her views so far. Like, and, um, and so, you know, and, and then other people, like, you, you know, you'll watch a thing on, um, there's one where they get things and drive over them and film the sound, right? And it have like 30 million views on an episode and stuff. So, yeah, and, and uh, so I guess... Like, what are they saying to you? Uh, they want to be in their own business, you know, uh, like strong content creators. Um, well, like, what are you hearing in terms of their aspirations? Because we can marry those up. You know, like, if we can hear from you what some of those aspirations are, we can position our business to be able to, you know, take those kind of aspirations on board. But what are you hearing? Yeah, I mean, the, the, there's definitely a lot of social media, you know, um, the, the content creation stuff because they, they're doing it anyway. <laughs> they, they're doing it anyway. And so a lot of them are talking about that. Um, we just even recently put out a call for graphic designers in our alumni community. And we had about four boys um, that, that reached out, want to do it. Um, my wife ran a teenage uh, girls camp and we've got some of those girls wanting to volunteer for our preteen program. So, you know, they, um, in terms of you know, social media, one, um, graphic design, something that I've, I've come across, uh, but also just really wanting to do things to do with the younger generation, like they're the next generation, that there's a massive thing for that as well, massive desire um, almost to, to give back. We just had a kid who had finished um, high school and right now is studying to, to do youth work as well, you know, to be able to help their teenage version that really struggle mentally um, as well. So, I mean, in sort of our circle, that, that, that's what we're, we're definitely seeing. Um, and then, you know, you've got some of those kids that are also wanting to do a lot of uh, computer science and, and IT and, and building, um, uh, what's what's the phrase? Because I'm not in that industry. What's the... Uh, uh, the, the whole coding system and all of that. Um, there's also been chats about obviously Jasper and all those AI technology that a lot of them are, are really interested in. Um, and a lot of them can, can build their own computers as well. Whereas um, we've got a kid called Benji who 
just just always buys parts for anything and everything. He's got like parts for a guitar that he built from scratch and computer that he built from scratch. And so they're, they're quite creative in terms of learning to build and put this together as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Let me wrap up the kind of things that you've said that we need to take part of, right? So these this, this generation are driven by vision and impact. I would totally agree. If your business doesn't have a big focus of how you're going to improve people's lives or impact the world, then you're going to find it very difficult to employ Gen Z and Gen Alpha, right? Because they're so driven by impact and, and, and things like that. So, so we all need to have a vision that's big enough that they can get behind it, okay? And my experience, when they do, they'll work really hard and discretionary effort goes through the roof. Second thing is being flexi like flexi work arrangements. So this is hard to do in some industries, but... But, but it may mean that you have to get 30% more people than you need because at any given time, 30% of them are traveling around the world and you need to be able to plug those gaps. If you say, no, they need to be with me 52 weeks a year and 45 hours a week, you just won't get any people, right? That's, that's, that's kind of what you're hearing on the ground. Um, the third thing is mentorship or Barnabas. Like they need, like you've got to be able to invest in these. You can't just employ them and let them sit because they'll go somewhere else where somebody invests in them, right? So we've got to be able to have some sort of internal mentoring program where we can keep feeding into this younger generation. And you're going to want to anyway because we need to fix some of the junk that was you know, put in them, right? And then fourthly, you know, um, if many of these guys are going to, like what we've spoken about, is they're going to pop up in business, then we need to find a business model that somehow allows them to kind of run their own business in your business because they're going to want to be that entrepreneurial you know, nature into what they do. So... Not all of them. Some of them are going to be happy to be employees, but there's a propensity to want to run their own thing and do their own thing and be quite self-sufficient. So in our business model over the next you know, 10 to 20 years, we need to be considering how do, we, how do we foster an environment where they can start their own business inside one, which I think they would quite enjoy from my time with them, um, but it would help us actually build a business. You know? Um, you know, I mean, we run a media agency. I have a bunch of millennial and Gen Z people. I absolutely love them. I, I want more millennial and Gen Z people working for me because I just reckon they're the greatest group of people that I've ever met. Fired up, discretionary effort, hardworking, fun to be around. Sure, they can, sure they can be a bit fragile and things like that, but we all can in, a, in certain environments. So, so, you know, like for me, I'm like, well, if I'm like, no, you've got to die to your own vision and help mine, that's not going to work. But I could create an environment where people can run their own agency inside my umbrella agency and, you know, and let them feel it, right? So I've got to start thinking about what that looks like in a 20-year window if I'm going to be sustainable. So that's, that's the things that you've listed off that I noted that as business people, we need to start thinking about and putting inside of our business so that we can attract, retain, and get the best out of those, those generations that are coming. Um, what, what would you say, though, to the parents, right? So people that are listening to my show would, would skew more towards the parents' age. So you spend your time with these kids, right? But I'm sure, I'm sure you'd have a message for the parents um, and, um, you know, that might come out of the frustrations that you hear from the kids or whatever. But I just want to give you free reign just to talk to the audience right now, right? What, what would you say to the parents of these kids yeah, well, as part of our program, we actually have um, parent and, and teen mentoring sessions as well because we really want them to be on the same page. So this is where a parent may bring up something that their kid's doing that, you know, that they want to see a change in. 
I then, you know, uh, take take over and sort of keep the kid accountable. So little things like a kid who his, his dad would want him to bring the phone um, in the living room by 9.30, the kid would always do it, bring it at 9.45. Dad comes in the room screaming. Um, kid tells me, oh, dad's always yelling. I don't know why he's always yelling at me. <laughs> so I sort of come up, well, we need to really work to that 9.30 timeframe, don't we? Um, but what, what I would say to parents is this, and um, I'm actually partnered with Focus on the Family Australia as well, Brett Ryan, and we do a lot of um, parent workshops and things like that. And one thing that I found, the story of the parable of the talents, we read and uh, I've heard it so many times, I've preached it myself in churches so many times, and we often talk about it in terms of talents and giftings. I, I, what if there is another layer to, another dimension to that story? Because it says, right, one to one, you gave five, you gave two, you gave one, and then he went away. In Psalms, the Bible says that children are a gift from above. And when the master comes back and he, you know, accounts for what everyone has done, what if that those servants represent parents? And what if the gifts that they were given represent our children? As parents, we are stewards. We've been entrusted with these gifts and talents that are young people, that are children. And I believe that one day, you know, on that day, one of the questions will be, you know, what did you do with the gift, the children that I gave you? You know, um, and so that is something that is, is my heart's desire to really help parents have that focus, have that legacy. The other thing as well, legacy while we're at it, I look at my two boys growing up and uh, knowing the challenges that I went through, I just want to help them as best as I can. But also, I, I think one of my greatest legacies will be to impart kingdom into them. You know, the Bible says a good man lives in inheritance for his children. His children, for me, I'm looking at the spiritual values that like prayer and those things that I can impart. So another question for parents that I challenge questions with is, you know, what kind of spiritual legacy will you believe in? Will they be kids that rise up and just know how to pray because they saw mom and dad do it, you know? Or perhaps they be kids that just, just want to get into the word. What kind of legacy spiritually that are we leaving for them? And I think the third, maybe a last one is, is this, is that, you know, the most important work that we will ever do, I believe, was, is within the four walls of our home. Um, and I say that because in 2019, I went back to Ghana um, and the same uncle who took me to church where I gave my life to Christ, he had just passed away. So I went to, you know, pay my respects and say goodbye. And I'll never forget sitting there. This was my first funeral at like age 33, my first ever funeral. His wife got up and then his son got up and just speaking all these words. And I, I lived with him as well. So I knew him, incredible, incredible man. And so here I'm just hearing all these words about him and all this stuff that he did. And man, I just thought to myself, like, what will be said of me one day by my keep my children and my wife? Like, as much as I'm out in the world doing things and I'm here in the school speaking and doing all of this, when it all comes down on that day when our God calls us and our time is up, at our funeral, it'll be our spouse and our kids that will mount up on that podium with the microphone to speak words 
not our boss or <laughs> whoever it was, but it will be those people. And so for me and the work that we do, especially with parents, we just really want to help, you know, reframe and reshape some of those thoughts and um, so they can focus and hone their energy in those areas and leave a lasting impact. And in the process, have a whole lot of fun with their families, hey, <laughs> you know, and make a difference and influence them. So, yeah. You know, that just got really real and heavy. I mean, e even for me, you know, like, uh, you know, three, three beautiful daughters, um, you know, I've got an obligation to, you know, help them become, you know, great ladies that contribute to society and things like that. And, and um, yeah, it's, it's so beautifully put because, you know, the 10,000 people I've coached in my life, the, the day I die, will be like, oh, that's a shame. Wes was a good guy, hopefully. But, uh, but the legacy of the kingdom of the culture in the business world, that's going to live on through, through my family. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and it really matters what they think. And it doesn't really matter what some client, you know, 23 years earlier did or didn't say. It really, it really won't matter. And, uh, and so, I, you know, like when you, I don't know whether you felt it, but when, when you said that the kids are one of those treasures and now you're going to give an account for them, I think it became really real. So... I guess thank you for helping us catch the revelation that we've got to fight for the family, um, and that you know that's a you know that's one of our massive priorities. Um, and you know, thanks for reminding us, even though you didn't use the words that you know that love God and love your family would be more important than build a business. And if you've got a if you've got a billion dollar assets, but you've got kids that don't want to know you because you're a mongrel, then that's not success in the kingdom of God. And so. You didn't use those words, but you, you know, you kind of, you, you alluded to that. And so I really appreciate that about you, that you're bringing us back to what matters. Um, and, uh, you know, cause it's so busy and crazy um, out there. And, um, and, uh, and we've got to, with those people that are close to us, we've got to, we've got to, we've got to hold them in close and we've got to do life together. Cause that's just ultimately more important. That's awesome, mate. Um, how can people find out more about you, Royal Hood? Like, where can people go? What are some handles people can check out? Yeah, so theroyalhood.com. Uh, that's, that's the website. Um, the Royal Hood on Instagram as well and Facebook. Um, yeah, those are the places. Um, and then ericargeman.com as well as my school sort of workshop site. Um, and then I'm looking forward to being in Brisbane for the conference as well, my wife and I. And and one of our team members will be there as well. Um, yeah. So if, if anyone is going to be there, we good to say hi. Yeah, Eric's talking about the Kingdom Business Summit, which we've obviously got on in March. Uh, to find out about that, go to kingdombusiness.com.au. But ultimately, it's our big annual conference. It'd be so good to have you there. Uh, you know, you'll be engaging really heavily with our delegates, which will be awesome. Um, one final thing uh, that we let everybody do on the show is, you know, I'll, I'll paint a picture. There are people that are listening to this right now. They're, they're running on a treadmill. They're mowing the lawn. They're walking out, you know, the dog or driving, listening to the podcast. Um, I just want you to take 30 seconds, one minute, and give them some inspiration to keep going. What, what would you say to those people that, uh, that might just need a little shot in the arm? What I would say to those people is, yeah, as you said, keep going. Uh, that our best days are always ahead of us, not behind us. When the God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope, he means those words. And so in every area of our lives, whether it's the finance, whether it's the business, whether it's the family, you know, have the faith 
uh, in your heart that all things work together for good to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. And so if you do that, have that faith, uh, all things I believe will work together for your good. Love it, man. Thank you. And you're such a gifted communicator. Um, I hope that if you haven't already, that you write a book for us to be able to you know, pass on to kids and, and, and learn from your wisdom. You, you know, you're a blessing to the kids that you help. You're a blessing to the parents of the kids that you help. And you've been a blessing to us on this webinar. So, mate, thank you so much for helping us with the podcast. Uh, you've been a real blessing. For those of you who are watching, uh, you know, you don't get away with just listening. We want a bit of homework from you too. So here's my question for those of you who are listening. What's the one thing that Eric said that really popped out to you? I want you to put it in the comments section here for me because I want to see it and I want to engage with you there. So do that now. Eric, you're a blessing, mate. I look forward to seeing you in a couple of months in Brisbane. Look after yourself. Be blessed, mate. Awesome. Thanks, Wes.